Welcome to Kitchen Table, candid conversations about sex, relationships, and being human. I am Brittany Palacastro. I am Nick Anthony. And today we're talking to Luna May about the wisdom of the erotic. Hi, Nick. Hi, Brittany. <laughs> so it's, we're about to enter into our first interview. Number one. <laughs> Kitchen Table! How are you feeling? Nervous and anxious, but like excited. I don't know. I never thought of myself as being much of a talker. I mean, in behind the scenes, but when it comes to this format, this should be fun. We've done photo shoots together. Nick's a photographer. I do lots of things. And uh, <laughs> one being taking sexy pictures. <laughs> yeah, I got you on that. And he does. You know, we've done that. And that's been really great. But this is a little different. This is both of us putting ourselves out into the world together. This is the first. First joint collaboration. Prepare for the magic. I'm going to be using words wrong. And Britt's going to be like, no, no, no. That's not how you use that. I'll be like, yes, it is. Yeah. Nick's infamous for being like this word. And I'm like, do you know what that word means? Because I'm the grammar police. Yeah. I feel like I know the meaning of the word and I use it. And it's just like, yeah, that feels right. But then it's just like, oh. It's like 80% locked in. <laughs> it's less than 80%, I would say. Mm -hmm. But I'm just being human. And this is the thing. Like, it's okay to like, say you don't know. What I've gotten yep. really good at is being like, I'm about like giving a percentage on how like sure I am about something. So that's been helpful. You'll also say, this is soft knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which we can't take credit for. A friend of ours said that. <laughs> she was like, that's soft knowledge. Which That's real. We go through this world with a lot of soft knowledge. Like about a lot of things. As we're seeing in our world today. Mm -hmm. So we're about to talk to Luna May about the wisdom of the erotic. Are you excited to learn about that? I'm excited to have a just straightforward, thoughtful conversation about this topic. Yes. I mean, the definition of erotic, you know, what is it? Relating to or tending to arouse sexual desire or excitement. Oh, you looked that up. I looked it up. Okay, fancy pants. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I like that. Well, I'm really curious to hear about Luna's definition and embodiment. The idea of the erotic is something that I've, I don't think of it in those terms as much as mm -hmm. sexuality and intimacy and things of that nature and pleasure. So I'm really excited to hear her talk about this because I feel like it's going to give me a new language and a new yeah. space. Yeah. I mean, the wisdom. Yeah. There's a lot to say about this topic and its relationship to different people would be different per person, like easily. So are you ready for our first interview? Let's do it. Welcome to Kitchen Table. I am Brittany. I am Nick Anthony. And today we're talking to uh, Luna May. <laughs> yeah, about the wisdom of the erotic, a conversation I am so excited to be having. Luna, I'm going to read you a little bit about or tell you a little bit about the amazingness that is Luna May. So Luna May is a sound performance artist, founder of The Sound Lab, a philanthropist of pleasure, and a heart curator <laughs> so beautiful. Luna introduces a new dimension of art to the world. She believes in the power of sound and vibration to transform our inner and outer worlds and studies the science and mysticism behind it for limitless transformation. Her soulful sonic offerings release deep stress, inspires meaningful connection, and invites humans, teams, and leaders alike to get to the heart of their creativity, leadership, and ease as they drop into an expansive sonic experience in unique and curious 
places <laughs> held <laughs> by Google, the Philadelphia 76ers, Philadelphia Ballet, and the Four Seasons as a sound experience that has been truly transformative for their clients and teams. Luna May emerges the world of healing practices with modern music and mindfulness with a taste of the sacred erotic and an open, curious heart. Welcome, Luna. Thank you so much. I am so excited to be at the kitchen table <laughs> and inside of the, um, can I say pussy on this? Uh, you can absolutely say pussy. Inside of the pussy tent here. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Inside of the Pussy Priestess tent here. So oh, I love that. And so I feel like we are excited. welcoming into the, the Pussy Priestess tent with you. So. Yes, you are, baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's warm in here. It's warm. It's, it's very warm in here. <laughs> Almost as warm as this bone broth that I'm drinking. Nice. <laughs> Lovely. Bone broth, pussy tent, kitchen table. All systems go. All systems go. Let's do this. <laughs> the so, first installment of Kitchen Table. It's <laughs> <Yes. laughs> a good start right there. It's, it's a very start. good start. So Luna, the work that, you know, everything I just read about this, the work that you do, the sound healing, when I think of it, and I think when probably a lot of people hear that, they would think it would be designated to yoga studios or retreat centers, which I know, you know, you do that as well. But you're also working with the 76ers and Google. And, you know, I'm curious if you can speak to how you've integrated this into spaces such as that, right? This is beyond just like, you know, a yoga studio. Thank you for asking that question. It brings me to this idea that we like association as humans. We desire to want to understand things and put things into containers and file folders, right? Which is not a bad thing. And what I'm interested in doing with art and expression is figuring out what is an optimal entry point for somebody to have a safe and contextualized experience of this type of practice. And then how can we kind of like open up the spectrum given how many different places we interact with music and sound and vibration. I mean, it's woven into the fabric of our daily lives. Even in the middle of the lockdowns, even though we were in our homes, we're constantly surrounded by different sounds and vibrations. And so this ability to be able to tune to a desired state of being or frequency is something that is necessary for us to feel in our bodies. That's what embodiment means to me, being able to feel the full spectrum of whatever it is that we're moving through in any given moment and how can sound and vibration and breath work and this practice be our friend, be our trusted advisor and create a space for us to open up and learn how to attune regardless of what's happening around us. And that process and embodiment of that belongs everywhere. And so in my background as an event planner for 10 plus years, it became really exciting for me to kind of take some of that experience in event design and experiential design and compost it into this next chapter of my life because set and setting matter. So the way that these experiences are created from start to finish can either positively or negatively contribute to how the person receives it. Yeah. And that has been a really beautiful, humbling process, ensuring that the divine feminine and the practice of being in the body and attunement um, has a seat at every table. 
especially in these more kind of corporate containers where we can get really lost in the sauce and forget how important it is to slow down and listen to the body. Mm-hmm. Still claps in the fingers. <laughs> oh, no, like seriously, it, that yeah, especially in corporate spaces, that's like monumentally important to be present. I mean, needs to be there, should be there. And how do you do that? So, cause I could see I'm not in a lot of corporate spaces these days, to be honest, right? I've been really mindful of where I put my energy. And I know that being attuned, you're attuned to all the vibrations that you are interacting with, like whatever it is that you're connecting to. When we choose to be embodied, we are feeling a lot of shit, right? A lot of stuff, a lot of our own stuff, a lot of other people's stuff. Mm -hmm. And so... What does it look like to maybe move into a space where you're not quite sure what you're going to get? And how do you bring in the feminine? How do you bring in that attunement? And what does it look like to have one of these experiences in those kind of settings? Beautiful question. So the first word that kind of like pulses through me when I hear that is capacity. My mom raised me to learn how to emotionally attune to the world around me. And she always welcomed me to explore how to become aware of other people's capacity around me. And then that allows me to like be informed in how to enter into a space. Water takes the shape of whatever form it's in. So for me, if my desire, whether it's a boardroom table at Google or a woman giving birth in her home for the first time, or a child who sees me in conjunction with their cognitive behavioral therapist, or a professional athlete before they go out and play a playoff game in front of 30,000 people. My job is to measure the capacity of the other person and allow my body to be an instrument to attune to how to be of most service to them and the energy of the space, especially if it includes like multiple people receiving it. Because then those things are happening simultaneously. We're picking up on a lot of different things. So what do I need to do within my spirit and body to keep this meat suit clean and clear to be able to like measure that capacity and measure how to be of service best? So Now that I have my feet under me doing this for almost five years, I kind of already have like a formula for different folders. But the truth is we're evolving at such a rapid rate. So as much as we could gain experience and knowledge, people are changing fast and their capacity to be open and curious is changing fast. And the more we expand ourselves, the more we can kind of, even just with our bodies, without words, set an energetic invitation for people to meet us maybe just a little bit deeper than they would typically meet themselves. So I think capacity is definitely the awareness of the other person's capacity is a really important ingredient in that as I switch channels of where this practice takes me. That is really beautiful. Mm -hmm. And that explanation can be used. Yeah. Right? Like all the time. Everywhere. Yeah. yeah, Not just in these settings that you're speaking of, but we do that to an extent. Like I do that to an extent. I know Nick does that. I do it in my work all the time. In your, yeah. Oh, as a photographer, like you're holding space in a very particular way for, yeah, especially weddings. Oh my God. Like big time for How much information are you receiving all the time, Nick? Like you're just tracking everyone's, and it's so much more charged 
because it's the most important day in someone's lives and society has kind of apexed the pressure on that one day. And then you're there to capture that one day while simultaneously neutralizing the expectations so people can be most present. And I feel you on all that shit because I was a wedding. I think I've done like 937 weddings oh, in my exactly. career, like on some great. So I feel like we have, we need to have a whole nother episode. Just like these that. are my confessions. <laughs> like, <laughs> That so, experience. <laughs> once, once I write this manager that came to me, like it's just like yeah, just the energetics of it all. It's it can be very overwhelming at times. Yeah, but for the most part, I've always noticed I've had a, a certain cadence and energy when it comes to interacting with larger groups of people. Yeah, and people always want to share stuff with me when I'm in those spaces. That I, I I would just meet somebody and they're like, yeah, I had this long fight with cancer and uh, my dad passed. It's just like it's like all this stuff come comes mm. up. It's like and I just like sit quietly and receive it all. Because it's just like, it feels like you need to speak about this in this moment. So I want to give you mm-hmm. the space to do that. But uh, it requires a lot of space holding and a lot of uh, just kind of reading the room. And also my overall job is to not take away any energy, but just to kind of be an observer in that space and to hold as much like active, just like loving space as possible. And also care bear stare it like <laughs> out. Because I just, I can't help but totally. going to a wedding and not, not just like glow while I'm being present for like these unions just uh, yeah which the word that comes up when i hear you speak of your process doing that is radiance mm-hmm. and my friend layla martin just spoke about radiance the other day on her social media channels and radiance is a beautiful word and it's a beautiful muse for us it's like we desire to have whether or not we're conscious of it or not just based off of our natural makeup of these meat suits and the spirit that lives within them, you know, like a desire to feel most alive in every moment, a desire to feel seen, heard, a deep sense of belonging. And radiance is process with which we can express that without words or with words. It's this felt sensation that lives within the glitter of our eyes or like the Care Bear stare that you said. And like, you know, for anyone listening, I think we can get really curious around how we can amplify our own inner radiance and how that has a a very meaningful impact on creating a better, brighter, more pleasurable world to live in. We tend to typically put that expectation on the outside world around us. And so I really think it's beneficial to hold the mirror up to ourselves. I call it for me personally, like I put myself, maybe it's a Virgo thing, into like the hall of a thousand mirrors Mm, where I'm looking at all sides of it. But how about we just start collectively with one mirror, right? Yeah. Yeah. And in that reflection, like, can we say that we're feeding ourselves and nourishing ourselves enough to radiate? What happens? Like, will the world change around us? Will will the experience with which we're having change when we emit a different frequency of radiance? I think that's something to really consider. Mm -hmm. Like that is necessary and needed. And also the term, the revolution will not be televised. Like connecting with that internal, like uh, consciousness that has to awaken in people in order for us to even move beyond and like embrace the worlds that the world and space that we do want for ourselves as a people collectively. It's just like, it has to be like this fractal like thing that happens here first and then applies to like our community, then goes to our family, then goes to like 
that expands, continues to expand over and over and over again. And we can trust that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think that what comes up for me is this idea that creating those spaces, creating that radiance within ourselves, like it can be a natural response to the ways that we choose to take care of ourselves. Yeah. And, you know, moving into really what we <laughs> wanted to talk to you about today, this erotic, what I think of first is pleasure. Pleasure brings radiance, connecting with ourselves joyfully and joyously and in a space of love, as opposed to things needing to always be so regimented and controlled, which then leads to oftentimes contrived. And so I'm curious, Luna, how making this transition in this conversation, but also just making this transition within ourselves to bringing in pleasure. And to me, that's like a straight line into the erotic. Yes. What does that look like for you? Such a beautiful question. I feel like we could talk. We might need to do another (laughs) part two. And we can. (laughs) Yeah, for real. Because there's so much here. First, I think it's so important for us to believe and trust, even if we don't believe it to be true, start saying it out loud or allowing the actions that we bring forward in our daily lives prioritize our pleasure. We oftentimes associate, because that's our birthright, pleasure is our birthright. What if aliens can't fuck? I thought about that the other day. I was like, what if this is the only place where we can fuck each other to God? Or goddess. Do you know what I mean? Like, what if this is the only place we can do that? I love that so much. I I want my pelvic floor to be soft to the earth, if that's the case. (laughs) I want my body to be as open and receptive as possible. You know, I oftentimes weep. I'm talking, and this is why embodiment is such a brave thing. I sometimes will weep, and this is pleasure too. I will weep at my receptivity to our collective shame especially the fog of shame that surrounds our men. I will just weep at that. It overcomes me. And then I think to myself, okay, let me breathe that through my body. Let me trust that my body is this open, receptive channel to feel through emotions like waves. The Buddhist path is not like, woo, we arrived at enlightenment and now we're going to stay there. It's the ability to move up and down the channel of consciousness, which, you know, in my background studying sound and vibration, it's fascinating. We have 17 emotions that make up primary consciousness. They run from the base of our spine all the way up to our crown. The lowest vibrating frequency of emotion is shame and the highest is enlightenment. So if most of us, our men included, are experiencing this fog of shame around us, that means there's this dense layer of distortion that's preventing us from vibrating and exploring these other channels. So pleasure is the thing that gets inside the erotic practice, gets inside of that density and shakes it up and allows for something else to unfurl. So what are ways that I bring pleasure and the celebration of the erotic into my everyday, embodying the art of being present. So embracing my inner masculine's ability to be in the stillness of the moment enough to observe what's there. From that place, I can interact with it in a more amplified way. And one tangible way that we can do these things, especially in our modern lives, especially if we're entrepreneurs or mothers 
who don't live in village and don't have enough support or just people that are really trying, they have so much to do every day just to survive. Then how can we bring pleasure into the everyday mundane? Cause I also kind of feel my like inner rebellious spirit will be like, well, fuck you matrix. Cause I'm like feeling this hot water <laughs> on my skin in the shower that I still have to take anyways. You know, before I sip my smoothie in the morning, am I acknowledging the technicolor nature of dragon fruit? Like, holy fucking shit, this planet is so fertile. It grows everything we need to not only survive, but thrive. Am I enthusiastic about texture? Like my nervous system, I'm a little neurodivergent. So I feel grounded talking to you because I'm seated on like a sheepskin rug. Are the products that I'm putting on my body of the highest vibration? A lot of our clothes that we wear every day, you know, our largest organ is our skin. And when it comes to frequency, most of our clothes, especially in fast fashion, are polyester blends. They just are, not only do they have microplastics in them that seep into our skin. And if you're listening, don't freak out. Like, it's okay. We're getting hit from all sides here, but we have control <laughs> I'm of like, this. Oh, yeah. And, um, <laughs> But like linen, organic linen, highest vibrating frequency. I mean, it's like when you put a, I forget what the scientific term is, but when you put the thing in front of it to measure it, it's like, shoom. these are little things we can do that make a huge incremental difference. And also whether or not you perceive yourself to be an artist or not, we are on the planet of creation and we are instruments that can create art in every moment. So I would like to say that my bone broth like tastes a little better in this $3 vintage chalice I got at Chase. You know, yes. it tastes better in this. And I feel, I feel like I'm embracing pleasure even in like something as simple as this, you know? I love the way you put that. Like we should be more uh, observant and present for like the little miracles or the little things just period yes in, in our life like washing the dishes and being like you know what i'm cleaning this dishes i had a real bomb meal and this was and like breathing <laughs> into that like yes. in our house like brick cooks like a lot of meals i clean i just do it <laughs> but i found i know maybe for part two of this if we do a part two we can like do it at your house and then we can eat something while we're yeah <laughs> I've been wanting some of your food. But. <laughs> like, uh, I'm, I'm going to live longer based off of the meals, grit, like yes, cook, you are. and like the, 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 you know, cleanses that we do and stuff and the smoothies that I drink almost every day. Every single day. Like, yo. And your excitement to acknowledge the miracle of this planet's oh ability to grow the nourishment needed for us to thrive. It's wild. It really is. So simple. Really so simple. So simple. Absolutely. So how does erotic come into this? I mean, it already is. This is it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we can go deeper. <laughs> and I want to know, you know, Nick, I thought this was so cute. Nick looked up just the regular definition of the erotic. Uh-huh. Do you want to read it? A relating to or tending to arouse sexual desire or excitement. All right. So what excites me? One thing that I think is like, let's just go right into it our own pleasure practice, because oftentimes we associate the experience of sexual energy or the experience of pleasure outside of us as something to experience with another or two or or however many you want. I feel that it's essential in the honoring of our divine erotic intelligence and the gift to experience pleasure in our bodies to really embrace a regular pleasure practice with ourselves. My pelvic floor contracts around words that don't feel buttery, like automatopias are definitely my thing. 
So the word masturbation never got me off. I got real dry around that word. Pleasure practice, sex magic. These things feel really good to me. They feel expansive. And so often there's a dear friend we haven't met in person. Her name is Nicole and her last name I think starts with a D. She is magnetic and maybe we can somehow recognize her. I want people to be able to find her, but she was the first person that I saw really rebrand virginity to sexual debut. Yes. I know who you're talking about. I loved so much. I grew up Catholic and there was a lot of shame around sexuality in the actual experience of being in church. I also grew up with a mother who I think could intuitively sense that I was, you know, a sexual being and encouraged me to be celebrated in that. But for many people's sexual debut is with themselves masturbating to porn, which is a distorted view of what's actually possible for us in an erotic experience. And you speak so beautifully at that in your work. And so how can we redefine a self-pleasure practice that feels natural and approachable and can meet us wherever we're at? Because where I'm at now in my pleasure practice and my sex magic practice is not where I was at five years ago. This pussy priestess tent that I'm sitting in used to be the bedroom that my sexually abusive ex and I slept in together. So I say that to say that things can be alchemized. We can lean into our hurt and our trauma. We can allow it to expand and take different form and we can take our time which is why we often talk about consent to out like in an experience with another. But I also ask my pussy for consent. Even if I am desiring to, sometimes I'm in my mask and I'm just like, I just need to get one off. But that, maybe she doesn't want that. You know, am I asking for consent from her before I enter her? That's a great practice. But meeting ourselves where we're at, but also embracing the edge of where things can go. And so some tangible, I'd love to describe maybe a very approachable pleasure practice for a moment while we're on this subject. So I'm just going to like tune into myself. And I love to bring a few ingredients together that help me de-stress and find stillness in my body. I love to take really beautiful baths and do a like a dry brush lymph massage before I get into the bath kind of creating like a physical release and kind of priming the body. And I love to take hot baths with Epsom salt and I get myself roses every week at Acme. It's like 10 bucks, you know, and when they die and dry, I put them into a bowl and then I use those petals in my bath water. And I always have a candle next to me in the bath and I play beautiful music that helps me feel alive, like Taste by Snow Allegra is like one of my favorite songs. When I get out of the bath, I sit at my altar and an altar for me is a place with which I honor my ancestors. I honor the deities and the goddesses that I work with. I offer my prayers at that space. I meditate at that space and I sit at my altar and I use Ilavati's breast balm and I massage my breasts and there's specific kind of breast massage you can do because I believe our breasts are our cosmic antennas, even for men or whatever you identify in, in your body, our breasts and our nipples are like cosmic antennas and we need to acknowledge them. And so I give myself a beautiful, slow breast massage and I use Ayurvedic oil on my body. 
And maybe at that moment, that's as far as it goes. Maybe I'm looking at my calendar and there's an appointment in a few moments. Or maybe there's a few more moments to drop a little deeper. And then at that point, I can ask myself where I want to take it. Maybe we can get into the rest of it next time. But yeah, that's like a great gender neutral practice that we can embody. We often associate self-care with women. And I like to look at when I refer to the masculine and the feminine, it's essences. And the polarity is the flirtatious magnetism in between those two spaces. And that's also a conversation for another time, because that's why I feel in my spirit that many people on this path that are have the courage to share their truth, especially our trans non-binary folks, they are so revolutionary because they're able to transcend the binary and create a new way of being. For many of us, we need to understand what this is first, you know, and get clear on being in the balance of the inner masculine and feminine before we can maybe explore what exists beyond that. Yeah, but everything I just shared is something that all of us can embrace. And I want to live in a world where we're all taking a few more baths before calls and stuff. Absolutely. You know? Like, seriously. There's so much. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, like, like oh, <laughs> you know, like, am I paying attention to my wisdom enough? Like, I like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like, that right there is like the hook, the trailer am for I, the whole I, thing. <laughs> My bosom, like I was. Did you see my bosom? Yeah, like this, this is my bosom. Like it's real. Like, but like that's your bosom, it's, baby. It's so funny how not even funny, but it's it's sad how some people will press up in relation to having that intimate time with themselves. Mm. Like, and it's just yeah, that's like ground one, one on one. That's base. You should be in a space of freely being able to connect with yourself. Like, period. Like that, you are, you would have hoped you could be in that space, but. Yeah. And Nick, can I slide in here real quick? Get it. May we not should all over ourselves. May we just like give ourselves permission to be in yeah. our pleasure. Permission to be right? in our flesh. Permission. Because yes. there's reasons, mm-hmm. I, you know, there's trauma and yeah. there's our nervous yeah. systems and that keep us, mm-hmm. you know, from, and our belief systems and our conditioning and the way the world is, you know, structured to keep us. From ourselves. Mm. I mean, the world is structured. From our pleasure. Yeah, from our pleasure and from ourselves and from our wisdom, literally, is structured to keep us from that, which makes me feel like I'm in, like, the never-ending story or something when I think of it that way. Nick and I just watched that recently. So good. (laughs) I love the never-ending story. Falcor, I feel like, is, like, my spirit boyfriend. Absolutely. I feel like Falcor is, like, big poppy in the sky, like, holding it down. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, the movie is about creating. It's it's about how imagination and the creative consciousness is like dying mm-hmm. and that, you know, we need to rebirth it by recreating ourselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's literally mm-hmm. yes. Yes. what it's about. And allowing our body, I'm reading a lot about Sufi teachings and specifically around music and vibration and how they've over time and space honor the body as an instrument. And so I think that that's something for us to explore too. And I think our breath is such an unconditional, unwavering gift, always available to us. It happens whether or not we're consciously aware of it or not. But in the space of conscious awareness of the breath, our pathways to pleasure beyond our wildest dreams. And so it's like these meat suits, this instrument is just waiting to be played. Absolutely. Learn your instrument. Learn your instrument. Learn your instrument. instrument. One thing you said that's sticking with me that I really want to 
bring back up in the beginning of what you were saying uh, before you went into that beautiful pleasure practice was this idea that a piece of you, you know, you said you're masculine, might want just to, you know, get it done, to get get off, to have, you know, to experience some pleasure. But you are in the practice of asking your pussy, asking your body in that way what she wants. And that's something that I really connect with in the sense of especially partnered sex. And, you know, when we're having partnered sex, there is an awareness of ourselves and there is an awareness of the other. And what I find myself and just what I see in the world is oftentimes the presence of the other takes tends to take precedence over the presence of ourselves because of desire, because of infatuation, love, all of those things, and can sometimes pull us from ourselves when we get into this space of what I believe to be disconnect from ourselves. And then there's this wanting to maybe please the other or, um, you know, I have, I've literally had sexual experiences where I was enjoying myself and maybe, and my pussy was saying something different. My pussy was like, this is a little uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. We need to change. And I did not listen to her. Normally when that happens, my body will have a physical response, like an infection. It happens like clockwork. Yes, exactly. Yes. The body keeps the score and the pussy keeps the score even more. And I think that happens a lot for people with vulvas. And, you know, I'd be curious for people that have penises as well, maybe in a different way, right? Because we don't... Definitely. We know with penis owners, we don't even... That's not even like a conversation that's had, right? Oh, and it's something that I have with my masculine clients. And it's something that I'm grateful that you even brought to the table because when it comes to checking in with the body and consent, oftentimes the masculine is expected to just want it because that's what society has told us you should do. Your worth is centered around your performance in and outside of the bedroom. What do you mean you don't want it? Something must be wrong with you. So everybody needs to be checking in with their bodies, checking in with their sex organs. And that's not something that is like a flat across the board at the beginning of the experience rule that applies. As the arc of the experience takes shape, It's something that needs to be uh, visited. And so why not practice with ourselves where we don't have to overwhelm ourselves with, if it feels overwhelming to even think about how we would broach that communication in a way that helps us stay in our bodies and stay in the moment of pleasure, then let's just start with us. Let's just start with our own selves first and build those pleasure pathways from the brain into the sex organs and then bring that conscious awareness into experience with the other. Beautiful. One real quick thing that's coming through for me, thanks to Mama Gina, is a simple, and this is something that your partner can offer you or you can offer yourself for vulva holders, is just like rubbing your hands together and generating heat and then just cupping the pussy. And you're not even actually touching the pussy. It's like, if this is the pussy, you're just kind of cupping over it. And you're just acknowledging. How about acknowledging her before anything else in the experience happens? And isn't that like just a radical thought? I was also thinking the other day, and I think I would have my blessing to share this. I'm just going to tune real quick to make sure. Yeah, Goddess was like, yes. (laughs) For my grandmother's generation maybe even my mother's generation, but I'll speak to my grandmother's generation. So when it comes to creating a space of consent and acknowledgement, 
especially for pussy holders, vulva holders, something that can be really powerful is acknowledgement and just checking in before anything else in the experience happens. And this is so important for us to embrace and expand upon as a society because we have traced back in our lineage. There are, we see it across time and space that when the masculine wanted to have a sexual experience, it was the feminine's job to provide it, regardless of whether or not it was consensual or not. And that distortion and that lack of consent and the trauma that ensues from that is even present in our modern lives, in some people's relationships, you know, even here in a place where we have the privilege to even just have this conversation on the airwaves and share it and also around the world. So it becomes even more important, not just for us as Volvo pussy holders and as, and as our partners to embrace what's available on the other side of deep acknowledgement and consent, but it also heals the lines and the lineage tracing back that created that compounding shame over generations. So one thing that brings me a lot of strength and courage when I'm feeling like I'm on my edge is remembering that my evolution of my capacity to be in my deep erotic isn't just for me. It's for my mother. It's for my grandmothers. It's for everyone that came before me. Um, it's for the world around me. And that brings me a lot of courage to lean into those moments where I'm just like, and Brittany, I kind of felt that energy when you were talking about a recent experience, like, let me just, my body likes, I like this, or maybe my body likes this, but let me just go along. No, it's like the second we're starting to have that, that questioning, it's like, we just pause for a moment. We check in with ourselves. We ask our partner to check in with us. And it's like how important that is based off of where we've come from and where we hope to go. Mm -hmm. And rather than trying to save someone's feelings based off of that communication, because yeah, like I definitely had those experiences where I'm being asked something, but then I get so caught up in the wording that I kind of lose myself in that space. And it's hard for me to reconnect Hmm. and try to get in a better practice of being able to offer that and just be free flowing with that. And for the masculine, you know, for the masculine, it's so beautiful, Nick, that you express that because what the masculine can do in that moment is say, if there's a need to stop or to readjust, the masculine can affirm that feminine's expression by saying, thank you for taking care of yourself. Uh Uh That's an amazing, very simple phrase that can yield so much more expansion. There's gratitude, healing. Yeah, there's Oh God. And also the second we hear that, we're just like, like, it's a collective ride. Yeah. Let the magic flow. Yeah. I like to say that. But you bring such a good point, Nick, forward on that. Cause it's like, wait a second, we want to honor that process, but we need tools on the receiving end of that to be able to honor it. We need tangible tools that aren't too complicated because penises are hard and things are happening <laughs> you know, like, and we need to be able to just like call upon these seriously, things. Seriously, it's know? such a time and cultivation is required of all things, like especially in the life that I'm living. For the most part, that echoes throughout my mind, period. I can't help but be reminded of this continually. My self-care practices, and my meditation, and my workouts, and my work that I do, it's just like, 
I am not in the space to try to pretend like I need to rush this or this needs to be look a certain way or it needs to be a certain way. I mean, sometimes I mess up on that space and I got to reboot all over again, but uh, mm-hmm. it's a process and doing the work, the work, um, it requires, yeah, <laughs> it requires some patience and it requires um, for you to be kind to yourself and to allow, to own what you don't know and to be open to receive what is uh, new and beautiful, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, Luna, it's been so lovely and just healing, to be honest, (laughs) to even have this conversation with you. Some of what you said felt like it was, and this often happens when I speak with you, what you said felt like it just went right into my heart, my own wisdom of what I needed to hear personally. And I have a feeling that that will be the case for a lot of people listening to this as well. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for creating this container and for us to be in very flow state, organic, honest conversation that can be boundless and playful and goofy and silly, but also like deep and primal and ancient, like the full spectrum. I feel like there's so much more that could be explored and shared and so grateful for all the places we were able to go together in this way and for everyone tuning into this, may you feel so supported in the curiosity of how you can weave pleasure and the erotic into your everyday life. Mm -hmm. Thank you so so much for that. Thank you, Luna. And is there anything that you want to share with what's going on with you right now? Any, Any juicy offerings? Yeah. So I'm really excited. I actually just launched a hotline. And so people can interact with me in this hotline and I send out kind of like sumptuous sonic treats and erotic prompts. And it's a safe space beyond the kind of encroachment of Instagram censorship to really explore together. So I would love to welcome anyone listening who wants to be in curious connection to connect with me there on the hotline. And all you have to do is text Amor, which is A M O. You are to the number that we can provide. It is 833 803 0925. Great. And we'll have that in the show notes as well. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. It's super fun. It's like a real fun thing I wanted to just share with everybody. There's also a lot of other cool shit going on and I share about it. And we'll have all of that in the show notes. And in a minute, we'll we'll give everyone uh, your handles and all that good stuff. Thank you so much, Luna. Wow. So that was really magical. That was great. That was so, so good. Oh my goodness. So much useful information and input. I was tapped in. Absolutely. Yeah. And I feel through like Luna's presence that like my ability to to drop in and tap in expanded. Did you feel that? Oh yeah. A hundred percent. And from a nervous system standpoint, it's like co-regulation, right? When we can co-regulate our energies and align with each other, things tend to flow better, you know, from that physiological standpoint and then also just energetically and like feeling connected to someone we can open up like so much more deeply we are meant to be in community with each other yeah and like it's it becomes the older i get the more clear that becomes my relationships and in my life period it's very true and also like i know that that luna took time to prepare herself you know to be able to be present and so did we and i think when we have the opportunity to do that Mm -hmm. it just makes all the difference in the way we relate to each other 
Thank you so much for listening. Follow Luna May, that's M-A-Y-E, at Luna May Music on Instagram. And check out her website at lunamay.com. Follow me at sexually underscore liberated on Instagram. Check out my website at brittanypolacastro.com. That's A-N-Y. You could follow me at Nick Anthony Photo on Instagram. There's no H in Anthony. And check my, my website on nickanthony.com. Editing is done by Audionauts and music is by Greta Hopper. Please leave us five stars. Hit up iTunes. Goes a long way. Leave us a review and please share this podcast. Help us spread this kitchen table love.